Hey, I'm Roy Harmon, and this is the Hot Pursuit Podcast. Today, we're joined by Jay Porter, a freelance data scientist and software engineer who's going to talk to us about uh, multi-touch attribution. Thanks for joining us, Jay. I think I think this is a really interesting topic that people are starting to really come around to understand how important it is. Um, but yeah, can you tell us a little bit about about who you are and uh, and your background? Yeah, so I'm actually a software engineer first. Uh, I mostly self-taught. Um, I went to school, took a couple classes in that, uh, and then I worked full time as a software engineer for about uh, four years. Um, I was working in the artificial intelligence domain, so I had a lot of access to a lot of data, and a lot of companies wanted to utilize that data for some really extreme things. Um, and as I started working on a couple projects, I advanced my skills and then was able to work full time for L'Oreal as a data scientist. So I was combining my software engineering skills and my uh, data analytics background and combining the two to help marketers and advertisers understand their data and autom automate those processes. Um, and through that, I was able to do a lot of research on my own. Um, and I fell into different disciplines like multi-touch attribution and a lot of A-B testing, which is pretty familiar to other domains. Um, I also have a background in the sciences. Um, so pretty much when I got to L'Oreal, I was kind of like a unicorn um, and they gave me a lot of projects to work on. And I discovered a lot about uh, what I wanted to do in terms of analytics and then what was really needed in the analytics and advertising space. And one of the things I realized is multi-touch attribution is probably the most confusing uh, topic and analytic um, study to commence at a big organization. And a lot of times the people who work in those organizations usually have a background that's not tech heavy. Um, so I've come up with a lot of opinions and uh, beliefs that I think can actually improve organizations when it comes to being data driven, especially if they're using advertising. Well, so can you tell us for for people who aren't as familiar with the idea of multi-touch attribution, can you talk to us a little bit about what it is and how it differs from other models like last touch, first touch, uh, things like that? Sure. So last touch and first touch and all those are probably the most common type of MTA um, analyses that you can conduct. And because of that, a lot of people associate things like first touch and last touch with um, MTA. But ultimately, the idea behind it is you have multiple messaging channels and you want to be able to figure out what each individual influence is actually more important on sales uh, than um, just actually using the last touch methods. So if I go into last touch a little bit um, more deeper, it might make more sense. But usually when a, a customer interacts with a brand, uh, they'll go through many messaging channels, Facebook, TikTok, Instagram site. Um, and there is a level of influence that each of those has on the final sale, but the way it's currently measured most, um, mostly in the industry is using whatever the last um, touch point the consumer interacted with. So ultimately ignoring everything beforehand uh, that the consumer used or uh, used to find that message and giving all the credit to the last. And that's really um, not the best way to do it. Um, and I believe that most people go about doing it that way because it's the easiest to understand and the easiest analysis to conduct. Um, but when it comes down to it, 
and we know as marketers and advertisers, there's a large funnel that happens to the actual conversion and using multi-touch attribution, uh, we can go through from an advertising perspective and figure out how much each channel contributed to sales, usually with a percentage or after some type of calculation, even a dollar amount. And I'll go in a little further too. There's other analyses. Something... Sure. Yeah, there's a couple other analyses go, that are pretty ahead. similar. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you to do. Sure. Yeah, there are a couple of other analyses that are kind of similar, and they take into account um, external and outside sources rather than just um, advertising. So something like a media mix model will take into consideration every channel, um, even outside. So like display ads in a store, and then see how much that it contributes. MTA, multi-touch attribution, focus mostly on digital channels. So advertising through Facebook and those kind of things. And that's a really important uh, important part to emphasize because it does leave out a little bit of um, the whole picture. But given that a lot of spend is happening these days on digital channels, it's one of the main focuses that brands really want to um, just kind of focus more on. And what does it take to get something like that set up? Is it a, do you need tools? Is it the kind of thing that you can just run in platform? I know Google ads and some of the other ad networks have some of that built in. Is that the best way to do it? Or how do you recommend people get started with that in the first place? Yeah. So the first thing that you need to run an MTA model is some type of user login and some type of way to be able to track that user. So when you have users going from your site on different platforms like mobile or desktop, uh, you need some way to be able to track them throughout each of their visits. Um, something just like a cookie doesn't work because cookies are only browser specific and device specific. So if you were to check out an ad on Google Chrome on mobile, that cookie wouldn't be represented on desktop. Um, there's ways to be able to do some type of merging, but the best way to have is a user login. So once you have a user login and you're also if you like to track what they're doing, so cookie um, cookies or using pixels from like Facebook and Google and those kind of things, you can give a little bit of, um, let's say, tiny tag each time a user visits your website or one of the um, messaging channels. And then from that point, you can create a long history of their journey to conversion. Um, so there's a lot of data, uh, a data saving and like data store and data engineering that's required um, to make this happen. And actually, a lot of that can be done in Google Analytics. Um, Google Analytics gives you the ability to work with a backend developer and implement a user login, client ID, user ID type of system that tracks um, individuals throughout. So it's possible to do MTA for any brand. You just need to have a user login and some type of backend developer to implement um, the things for you. But when it comes down to it, there's usually tons and tons and tons of data. Um, every time one person visits one um, touch point, that's considered a data point. And in most cases, you'll have millions if you're a big brand of users. Um, so it requires a, a big computing system. Um, in most cases, you'll need a minimum of a SQL background that's incredibly efficient to be able to plow through that data. And then once you have that data, you can then model MTA any way you want. But the way that I prefer to do it and what I want to discuss a little bit more was a machine learning approach. So I use supervised machine learning um, to be able to build models of the customer's journey. Once I build statistical models of the customer's journey, then I can remove and add different variables 
and then see how important the actual touch point data was in building that model. So from that point, I can get an understanding of what percentage there was a contribution to sales um, when trying to figure out uh, if the actual person converted or not due to that messaging channel. Um, and things like Google Analytics, they provide you with first touch and last touch, something called linear and time decay models. Um, but those are all essentially pretty arbitrary. I gave a little bit of a detail on the first touch uh, or the last touch, um, but first touch is really similar. You just look at the first uh, messaging channel and ignore everything else and assume that the first messaging channel drove sales. Again, last mm -hmm. touch, you look at the last touch, assume last touch drove sales. Time decay and linear decay use these things called weights, which is more kind of what I was describing. But in these time decay and linear uh, weights, they're already preset. And you use some type of mathematical formula in the case of like a time decay model, which arbitrarily takes away or adds um, con contribution to a messaging channel based on the positioning in the funnel. And sometimes that sounds like a good idea, but it might actually be something in the middle of the funnel that actually converted um, the customer, not really the end. The end was just maybe the straw that broke the camel's back type of thing. And those models don't take that into consideration. So... I really highly recommend that um, customer, or people who are looking to do MTA analyses also work with a data scientist who has a background in something like Python or R and can conduct machine learning models for the advertiser so you can get an actual customized dynamic um, read on what the importance are of each channel rather than just arbitrarily using weights that exist in standard literature. And wouldn't it also be a problem when it comes to something like Google Ads has those models, but as far as I'm aware, they're just going to, you know, even when they, if they do something that's, that's multi-touch, I would imagine it's just multi-touch within the Google Ads platform. They're not going to be, I wouldn't think that they could then pull in Facebook data or TikTok data. So if you're running multi-channel campaigns they really that wouldn't even work for them anyway so they really would need to find some way to get outside of the particular ad network to combine everything and see how all of these uh touch points work together yeah well there's a lot of things actually going on under the hood with some of the extra models that they have so i'll go into that in a little detail too but regarding the other channels um, implementing something like Google Tag Manager, in addition to like Google Analytics, will be able to solve those kind of things. So if you're properly tagging your analytics and um, uh, your messaging channels and those kind of things, every time the person hits the Google Tag Manager or your site, there'll be a flag saying, okay, this person came from this site, this person came from this channel. Um, and that way you can do the modeling a little bit more accurate in those channels. But again, to get that Google Tag Manager and stuff like that usually requires a backend developer to understand those kind of things. And even something, something like putting a tag before or after another tag can actually negatively inf impact the data that's collected. So it is very nuanced. Um, but on that note, Google Analytics actually does have um, machine learning based MTA models. But the thing is, uh, there's no idea what's going on under the, under the hood. Um, we don't know which uh, variables they're actually using, um, to what degree they're using those variables, what the actual machine learning model under the hood is, and on top of it, what are the accuracy scores or the accuracy metrics of those statistical models. Now, something like MTA 
is more of a heuristic. Um, so a company essentially uses a little bit of opinions that they have, um, the data and some calculations to then be able to come up with some expression that's able to, again, figure out the influence of channels on sales. Um, but again, that's just a heuristic. So they're very hard to test. But in things like machine learning models, you can report back a number, um, their accuracy numbers. So we have different type of splits and testing that we do that you can trust. Um, one of them is uh, based on taking, let's, let's say, 80% of your data, building the model, and then using the other 20% to test to see if the model is actually accurate on unseen data. So those kind of tests aren't really apparent to me in the Google Analytics uh, machine learning things or options that they have. Um, so I always think it's just best to work with someone else to do that um, because when it comes down to it, the Google Analytics machine learning MTA models really could just be random and there's no metrics to confirm that randomness or whether they even work. Um, so yeah, it's honestly best just to conduct that analysis on your own. But as I mentioned, there's big data requirements, some math requirements, and that usually hinders the companies from going through doing it. But in general, I always recommend brands step outside of the traditional Google Analytics. And the more um, curious brand owners and advertisers that I work with usually understand that detail as well, that there's not enough information to be able to assume first touch is better than last touch versus is better than the machine learning model. And that all comes down to what's being a black box under that Google Analytics um, proprietary software that they have under the hood. Got it. So can you share some best practices for companies that are looking to get started and they they don't want that black box approach? They want to be able to have a better idea of what's going into the decisions that are being made. What are some of the best practices you recommend? Yeah, so kind of mentioned earlier, and it's uh, not to bring any advertiser down, but just really hire a data scientist from the beginning if you can. Um, if you don't have a data engineer or data scientist in the beginning, um, you probably want to hire one as soon as possible. But hiring one in the beginning can actually make things a lot easier because, as I mentioned, tagging your sites correctly is really important. Um, and having uh, the data collected in the right way and access is really important as well to, to be able to do those analyses that I mentioned. You would need a minimum of a SQL background to be able to pull and transform the data that you want. So I think having that data stored properly and having every person in the organization who touches the data, having a at least a subtle understanding of what's going on under the hood, um, I think that's a bare minimum uh, to start being interested, even interested in conducting an MTA analysis. Um, I've worked with lots of brands and I'd actually say 90% of the brands don't know what's going on under the hood of their data. Um, they understand that data is collected from multiple sources, but they don't understand how those sources are better, are accurate, are inaccurate, or just noise when it comes down to it. Um, and they usually hire third parties from, uh, like let's in a lot of cases, other country due to like the price differences and those kind of things. And there's a huge communication gaps that happen uh, mostly due to time. Uh, if you have to work with someone who's like 12 or 13 hours off from you, um, that really slows things down mm -hmm. and to get a proper data analytics going and data engineering happening, there really needs to be constant feedback saying, okay, we have this data pulled in at this time. It's not um, actually what we thought it was going to be. What are the changes that need to happen? And as I mentioned before, 
um, working with a lot of external um, companies, especially around the world, makes it almost impossible to figure out where the data is coming from and what it actually means because everyone has different interpretations. So I really, really, really uh, push for companies working with like a data scientist right from the beginning or as early as possible to handle those kind of things. And usually the things that I are mentioning is a consequence of having an advertiser or um, someone who works in marketing trying to control data engineering um, when they really just don't have that background and for the most part, not 100% necessary for them to have that background. But I would say uh, starting with good data collection as well. Um, the other thing that I would mention is um, in addition to properly tagging your data, probably would be to start understanding the machine learning models that are, are being utilized for um, the analytics, uh, MTA analytics. Um, by understanding those machine learning models, they don't come off as black boxy in the end, um, and you can have a better um, idea of what's more robust in terms of calculating these analyses, or actually what's going to be just kind of weak. Um, and I'll give a little case study that I've ran into. I've when I first started at L'Oreal, they, um, and I don't know how much detail I can go into, but I'll say there were teams that would just kind of hire um, contractors or third-party teams to do these analyses. And then when they hired me, the point was to vet a lot of the analyses. And when it came down to it, um, many of the analyses weren't even robust enough for a teeny tiny brand. Um, in a lot of cases, it were like young consultants just out of school who never worked in advertising putting together models that they thought were okay and were understandable to the marketing and advertising teams. Um, but in 2023, there's tons of resources like Coursera um, and Udemy to be able to learn simple things like basic understanding of data science in terms of business applications, um, some basic machine learning algorithms and some basic SQL. So just understanding that can really guide the analysis in the right direction. It might seem like it's uh, very far off and Kind of a lofty idea but it really makes all the difference i can even say working with some brands i've been able to learn a lot more about advertising and marketing by conducting these analyses with um, brand owners and things who actually know a lot more about data um, because to really get a good message or a good understanding from your data you have to know what's going on in the brand in the business and the working and in the data um, so you don't just kind of want to give it to someone to do and then not really um, know what they're doing or what algorithms are using because it in the end it really never works out. So I think those are the biggest two things, ultimately getting more technical um, and then hiring someone very technical uh, to do that. And those are probably the biggest two things. When it comes to hiring somebody, do you have a sense for at what point the ROI will make it feasible to hire somebody? At what, at what, how much do you need to be spending on ads or, I don't know, are there any considerations people could think about to say, okay, at this point, I'm going to be able to get the value that I need to make it worth it to hire a, somebody who's actually a specialist in this area, whether that's a freelancer, a contractor, uh, or somebody in-house. Yeah, that's always a really tough question. As a data scientist, I feel like every day I'm trying to prove my value when I do work. MTA can be a little bit harder to prove right away um, how well it works, um, because as I mentioned before, it's mostly just a heuristic. So some companies and some smart people come up with some ideas on what they think will actually drive the business, and they 
put that all together and then they look at that and trust that that's going to work. Um, but it's very hard to test. So one of the things I mentioned earlier was using the analytics approach to see how well the models work, but that doesn't tell you anything about cost either. Really, you need to do some type of pre-post um, and that's not the best or most robust analyses. But if you look at um, the amount of income or the amount that you were spending on advertising versus the amount of profit that you generated from one time period using one multi-touch attribution model, and then comparing that to another multi-touch attribution model that can give you the simplest idea of um, how well your MTA or your data analytics actually optimize cost. Um, and it can give you an idea of how much you can further spend on those kind of things. Um, so as I mentioned before, um, when I work with other brands, I can I always work to try to show my worth. Um, something like um, LTV or calculating yeah, like, like lifetime value for a customer is a lot easier um, to prove uh, because you can see the value of the customer being spent increase pretty dramatically. Um, and the other things are like cost per acquisition um, that you can look at as well too. Those things are very easy to just kind of um, prove in terms of worth, but MTA, it's, it's very hard. I kind of see it as if you're going to be running an analytics, you need to have a data scientist on the team. Or if you're going to be running data-driven ads, you need to have a data scientist on the team to begin with. And that should just be included um, in the budget just as well as like a marketer or advertiser is. When you're working with some marketer advertisers, there's really no dollar value to say, okay, this marketer brought in this much sales. But then again, you can use some type of pre-post to say, okay, well, once we brought in marketer X, we noticed that our sales um, were driven by 10, 10 times. So it's not necessarily statistically significant, but I think the same approach should be using for hiring a data scientist um, because it is really important. And the data scientist has a lot of different disciplines that they work in. Um, so they can cover a lot of the data engineering. They could do a lot of the storytelling, the data visualization, the data pulling and all that, in addition to the analytics. So whether or not you can actually put in type of ROI number on the data scientist, um, I think it's really important to go about hiring one um, and then try to see if, okay, are they actually influencing the brand? Are we able to do things easier um, from us when I come into brands and I calculate the MTA analyses for them? A lot of the ways they save money is simply by, I don't want to say firing, but getting rid of the external um, people that they were working with to conduct the analyses. So many times, like I said, they don't really know what's going on under the hood. There's not a lot of explanations. Um, but then they work with me. I can actually say, okay, these are the things that we're doing. These are how the numbers are improving. These are some of the accuracies that I have. And people feel a little bit more comfortable working with me as opposed to other groups um, because of that. And um, so far, I haven't necessarily uh, lost a contract because I was too um, expensive or it cost too much. I think ultimately, the value add that comes from a data scientist is pretty clear on a day-to-day -day basis um, as opposed to like numerical, um, as like a numerical quant quantitative uh, value. You've mentioned machine learning a few times. How do you see multi-touch attribution evolving with the, it seems like things are moving pretty quickly in the AI and machine learning fields. Obviously, generative AI is the big, the big thing right now, but even I know ChatGPT has their new plugin for analyzing uh, large amounts of data, just like as a as a consumer. 
what do you what do you see th- how do you see things changing in light of these advances yeah one of the biggest challenges with machine learning is it's more of an art than less of a science which sounds counterintuitive because it's called data science um but yeah it's more of an art than anything so a lot of it requires a lot of trial and error um and there's something called hyperparameter tuning where you'll have a model and there might be 50 different knobs you have to tweak and then you have to tweak one little knob run your analysis again, see how it changed, run, tweak another little knob or maybe five knobs. And that process can go on for weeks at a time. Um, those automated systems uh, that do the analytics behind the hood, it's really, there's no idea um, what type of optimizations they're doing. And you can't really include um, any understanding from a brand perspective um, of particular variables or um, like data points that should be included in the model. Um, so ultimately, those give a bit of a weaker uh, analysis um, result than having it done um, manually by someone who actually understands the domain and understands um, the actual data under the hood. Automation is really nice, and it's been maybe, I feel like probably 12, 10 years now that um, there's been new companies trying to come out and automate the process of um, machine learning, but it really just doesn't work. And that kind of goes back to the point where I mentioned um, with Google Analytics, the Google Analytics multi-touch attribution models um, that are machine learning based are all automated and there's no idea um, what they're doing to the variables and how the actual um, input affected the output. Um, There's no, it's just too black boxy. And that's what happens with a lot of those analyses. Um, The generative and the automated like approach to data analytics might help guide um, a very smart brand owner or advertiser in the right direction to be able to learn more about those models that are kind of mentioning earlier. Like when I'm saying brand owners should understand the models and those kind of things um, being used, but ultimately it's best to have someone um, do that on your own. Now the data scientists you hire can automate those tasks for you and it'll be automated based on the companies and the brand specifications, um, not just kind of arbitrarily based on um, some tool that some company put together and then um, just kind of go on that. It's kind of related to MTA, but in with ChatGBT, when I use the platform, it seems 50% AI and another 50% uh, transformed by the company OpenAI to change and manipulate responses to be like politically correct um, to not be offensive and those kind of things. So there's no really clear um, understanding of what's happening um, with those models. So I just pretty much tell everyone for right now to kind of stay away and maybe play with those kind of things, but not really to use those. Uh, machine learning, like I said, is is an art form that anyone can learn, um, but it takes a lot of trial and error and a lot of understanding of the actual data and business um, problems at hand. Yeah, I know I put some some data in there. I didn't feel like it really... I mean, it might not have been that there was anything interesting to find out, but I didn't feel like it really told me anything that uh, that I couldn't have seen myself. But then again, it may be that it's one of those things that you really need to be a data scientist in the first place to even know how to get the most out of a tool like that. Um, so maybe that was the the issue. But at the end of the day, it seems like this is just one of those areas where it's difficult to it's difficult to do on your own. You know, it's like uh, 
I think that most people, they're not going to try to like just do their own coding and develop their own, um, develop their own software unless they actually know what they're doing. And data science seems like a similar field and it really does involve a lot of almost development type work. So I guess that makes sense that some people know just enough to get themselves in trouble, I think. Yeah, definitely. And with the um, kind of data, like we're talking about, there's a whole data engineering side of just pulling your data um, from the data systems that really is impacts the output. There's something called junk in, junk out. So if you put junk into your models, you're going to get junk results. Um, and a lot of the times it's really not clear why that data is junk. Um, even working with some professional SQL developers, it's really hard to make a super simple mistake in a SQL script. Um, where you think you're pulling um, a certain amount of data, but you're actually getting doubled um, because you use the wrong function or something like that. So you might think sales were $1,800 when really they were 900 or something. Um, so there's a lot of really small things like that that can go wrong. And then when you put it into the model, those, those like ChatGPT or kind of automated models, they're created to give you results. So they're going to give you a result. But then the question is, how well did that result work? How much did it actually impact the data? or impact the business, and how can we even test those? So working with a human um, can actually give you a better understanding of what that stuff really means, what it's outputting, or you can just have the human do the analysis yourself. Um, so again, like MTA, people don't, I think they understand, but it really does um, impact businesses probably more than any other analyses. Maybe A-B tests might be the only more impact, impactful analyses, but we really don't know how much we should be spending on a particular channel. And we really don't know how much it costs to acquire a particular um, customer. And then that goes even further. I was mentioning LTV. If we don't know how much it costs to acquire a customer, um, then we don't know if we're spending more on acquiring that customer than they're actually going to spend over their lifetime. Um, so these small details really affect the business. Um, and we just kind of want to make sure that they're as correct as possible um, and using a lot of automated tools. Um, like I said, even the things that exist in Google Analytics really don't give companies a lot of comfort um, and solid understanding of what's happening to be able to trust and then actually make impactful decisions. Um, when I first started conducting MTA analyses, it was a little nerve wracking uh, because my, and this happens often with data science, but my results were going straight to the CEOs. And that was really scary to me because I knew anything that I said was going to change budgets. Um, people might be hired or fired because of that. And that was really scary. Um, but now I'm more confident, you know, with my abilities. So I'm very comfortable with that. But ultimately, if you're just using an automated system or like first touch and last touch, I don't know how you don't have those same fears um, presenting the data to anyone because you really don't know what's under the hood. My guess is it's been a culture of doing that for decades, um, that it's become acceptable to just um, go with the flow type of analyses, but I've seen companies completely try to um, change their organizational policies because they're sick of just not understanding the data under the hood. Um, data can come from, or analysis can come from three months and it says one thing and then three months later um, say something completely different and no one has any understanding of why that happened. Um, so I think even companies more now, like I said, are smart companies more so are questioning um, what this is and are these things even right and would rather just spend the money the right on the first time rather than going about doing it a hundred times incorrectly.
So yeah, junk in, junk out, always have someone understand um, the models that are being used and don't try to automate everything because uh, it's really serious and people can be hired or lose their jobs because of it. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Jay. I really appreciate your being on the show. Can you tell people where they can follow you if they'd like to get in touch or hear more of what you have to say? Yeah, so right now I'm uh, working on out um, reaching out on my LinkedIn. So I'm trying to grow my LinkedIn page. So if you hear this podcast and you follow my LinkedIn, that'd be the best. Um, right now I'm going by the Polyglot Coder on LinkedIn. Um, but also if you type in Jay Porter, data scientist, software engineer, um, I'll pop up there and then we can message and talk a little bit more. And I'll be posting more on my opinions on MTA and how it relates to other analyses as well. So even if we don't work together, we can just kind of learn together as well too. So give me a follow on those channels. And then when I blow up eventually to be, uh, you can find me anywhere. All right. Well, thank you very much.